ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Up Top Premier League Review Show. This week, again, you've unfortunately got me, Stephen Cotton, and with me is Ed Hall. Hello. Hello. Hello indeed. So, it's been another very, very strange, very odd week in the Premier League. Your um, Aki did not come through. Whoever you, are, whoever I'm speaking to, your Aki once again did not come through. Yeah, I, 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 if it, I'm telling you now, it's it, send send images to the Twitter at to Top Football on all platforms, or get them in the group chat. But if anybody can show me a like a Premier League Aki they've won this weekend, that's five or more teams. Listen, I'll send you a t-shirt or something because we'll there's, there's no way Patrick Bamford t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no way there's no way people have predicted these results from this weekend. Um and we were discussing this before we came on and we we're thinking, do we go with the Sunday games because they're fresh in the memory? But to be perfectly honest with you, we don't think there's been enough that's gone on today to warrant talking about today's games first. So in the spirit of things, we're gonna go with with the way it makes sense for us. We're gonna start with Friday's game and and move on from there. So Friday's game was Leeds beating Aston Villa 3-0. Now, can you be, can you believe it? League leaders, Aston Villa. And uh, more importantly than it being the league leaders losing 3-0, Ed, who scored all three goals for Leeds? Patrick Bamford. Do you know why that's significant, Colin? Why is that significant? Because a very well-respected and established team of football analysts and experts here at Two Up Top made a prediction and a bet with one of our fans that Patrick Bamford would not score 10 goals or more in the Premier League. And what would happen if he scored 10 Premier League goals, Cotton? Uh, I have to send said person a lead shirt with Banford on the back. And if that person would like to now get in touch with us and give us your size and uh, yeah. where, no, no, seriously, if you, if you want to get in touch with us, tell us what, if you want the Homer away, tell us your size and I'll get it ordered now because he's only got, I, I still don't know whether he, it sounds silly. He's got six. I don't know whether he'll score another four, but. I mean, well, I said you was mad when he scored three, and you said he wouldn't get ten. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the goals. The first, uh, there's two, like two of these goals I have massive grievances with. Um, one one of the goals is an absolute ping. It goes top bins. Not much you can do about the second. second. I think I think it, it was it the second one was. It? I think it takes like a slight deflection as well. But the yeah, first the goal, he's the ping. Yeah, the fir- his first goal and the third goal, I think the defending is so lackadaisical. Both, uh, like, I could literally describe both goals if they were the same one. He's kind of one... Uh, no, the first one was he had a tapping, didn't he, from the rebound? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, defending was all at sea. Uh, Leeds take the lead 1-0. Uh, but he had a few chances. Actually, Bamford himself had had a few chances before then, not just Leeds. He- he'd had a few chances himself. Um to take the lead they ended up taking the lead it was a save that was parried out and Bamford just he was quickest to respond up to smashes it in the net uh, the second one was an absolute ping from edge of the box was it about 30 yards right side of the box yeah 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 it was absolute ping the third one however it was like watching Messi versus Granada it was like 
if that was Messi, Twinkle Tone is is way in and out of defenders, you could kind of understand. But like it's Bamford, and the defense just kind of stood, literally stood and watched him. One thing you have to give them. Bamford though is I also think back to the winner against Sheffield United where he scored that lovely header. His reactions to chances like this, so you can say, you can say what you like about the defending, but if that was as you said, Messi or Salah or a Raheem Sterling, you'd be giving him much more plaudits. So I think. I think Bamford's proven doubters like yourself very wrong. And I'm a, uh, no, I like I, Bamford. I think he is as well. Like, um, there was the two sides to Bamford in this game, though, for me, because it was only a few minutes in where it was, it was, it was like a really nicely whipped ball into the box. And Bamford's on his own and he doesn't even get the header on target, which he should be. It sh- he should be, if he's not scoring, he's got to be troubling the keeper and he puts it miles wide. And I saw that and I thought, Right there we go. There, there's my justification. This is this is why I'm I'm talking about Bamford like this. But then he scored his goals and listen, I'm, I'm I'll happily eat some humble pie and I'm and I'm ready for that. And if he, and if Bamford scores more than ten goals this season, more power to him, man. But unfortunately, with the other comments and bets we made in that, I just think even if he does hit double figures this season. With the English strikers and the options we've got, there's there's no way he's going to say Euros or he's going to muscle his way into the England team. But it's not to say he's not playing well. Uh, yeah, Leeds, he, he is playing well, yeah. Individual brilliant side, though. Aston Villa's unbeaten run to the season has been ended by Leeds. How do you see Aston Villa responding from this? Is this a return to earth? Or is it just lost on their day? Um... Again, I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I I think like there was a few of the players that had a really good game. Um, I could be massively wrong here. Like I I seem to be a lot of the time at the minute. Um, I I see it as a I see this as a massive like wake up call to Villa. I think this is going to kind of be the not downfall to their season, but I think this is going to kind of be how the rest of of the of the season goes as far as Villa can, uh, are concerned, like they're not going to be any trouble of going down. I don't think they're going. They're probably going to finish. They could even be like pushing for Europa come the end of the season. Who knows? But I, I do think this is kind of like a honeymoon period's over for you lads. It's been a great start to the season in a very strange season with very strange results from left field everywhere. But I think for Villa, I think it is going to start to come. A bit more real but having said that on the flip side of that Leeds honestly we we, we all picked them I, I don't think there was one of us on the channel that didn't say that Leeds would would do well like, wouldn't do well this season and and I still think that honestly they they look unbelievable they they've carried that they, they've traveled the most distance more than any other team in the Prem they what is doing well for Leeds for you because I know a few of us are at odds at uh, top I said I, I thought they'd finish in the top 10 that was my realistic option some were throwing out top six which no I I, was out no, no no you, you were newly you newly promoted you were newly promoted team you haven't spent a lot of money fair enough they have that reputation and that air about them it's Leeds okay they are Premier League sort of thing that is their history but I think this season um yeah top 10 I think top 10 would be top 10 for any promoted club is 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 ridiculous you look at Sheffield United last year like they were only the only reason people like even me the only reason we said like oh they dropped off at the end of the season they were that good 
coming up and then starting very well in the Premier League that finishing outside of the top eight was, uh, well, fair enough. Like, I, I, I think Leeds, top 10, anything more is a bonus. Do you think if they don't do better than the top 10 finish, Bielsa will look elsewhere? No. Uh, I, I honestly think... You, I hate to say it's obviously I'm a United fan, but... Um, I think he really believes in the project. I think there really is a project there. I think there's a lot there's a lot moving forward for the club. I think they can go a lot further than they are right now. Um this this season is kind of like not consolidation, but like we said, you get you get your top ten, even if they make a late push for Europe or whatever it is. But this is your first season in the Prem, get this one out of the way. Then next season you can make your signings, you, you can bring like if you've got an established situation there like, like you've got Bielsa as your manager and you've got this is the project this is where we're going this is the type of player we want who's to say that some of the youngsters from the from the other teams in the Prem might not want to go to Leeds because they see that this is this is what they're doing and I honestly think Leeds it's I think it only goes up from here yeah going back to Aston Villa briefly um, I don't think I can confidently say that the honeymoon period is over for them because at the moment I couldn't confidently give you a prediction of how any team's going to do this year, the way the league's opened up and unfolded. I mean, if you just have a look at the league table, it is so congested, so close. It doesn't matter if you won 3-0 last week. You could still lose 4-0 the following week. So we'll oh, see how Aston Villa do in the next couple of games. Uh, yeah, 100%, 100% agree. Predictions on that. But yeah, it was a, a good Friday night game of football. It was. So Friday night led into Saturday morning, obviously. And Saturday morning, we had this spectacle at the Olympic Stadium between West Ham and Manchester City. Now, West Ham took the... Uh, no, hold on. There was, a, there was a crazy stat that I'm not going to get right because I only remember hearing it. But it was, it was the first time that West Ham had been uh, head of City in the table going into a game day for like 20-something-odd years or something. And it was absolutely crazy. And West Ham actually took the lead and took the initiative with Mikel Antonio's 18th-minute goal. Have you seen the goal, Ed? Overhead kick, quick reaction. Oh. Oof. And, and you know... He's probably my favourite West Ham player, Antonio. I love him. He, do you think they rely on him too much? Because obviously he, he plays and he has played every single position for him. He's played right back. He's played right wing. He's played up front. He's like played in midfield. He's literally played every position for him. Let's not forget he was injured in the run-up to this game. There was doubts of whether he'd play. I mean, if they didn't rely solely on Antonio, and especially coming into a big game like Manchester City, where in past seasons they probably think, oh, we're not going to get a point here. We'd be lucky to get a point here. The fact that they're bringing Antonio back in so quick, they're rushing him back, proves that they do rely a lot on him. The problem is they probably do have the backup, the backup to him, but do they really want to start playing these players? Because their system only matches Antonio. Lanzini's yeah. come back, which is positive, but this this is going to sound like a silly question, but West West Ham has spent quite a lot of money. Uh, in the last few years, right? Felipe Anderson, who's now gone out on who, who's now gone out on loan to Porto, they spent forty something on Hilaire. That they, they, they have spent money. Is it a problem for the club that Antonio is currently their best player, 
like due, like they've, they've made a lot of signings that they've spent a lot of money and this guy's still your best player or is that like a sign of Antonio's putting the graft in he's working his ass off and he's trying to be the best player at the club Wh- which one do you think it is I think the, I think the pr- the problem is West Ham are going through a bit of an identity crisis the the switch from Moyes to Pellegrini back to Moyes you've got Moyes who will get the best out of players like Antonio, hard workers, hard grafters. West Ham are fighting each week for these points. And the players they've got suits that system. Now, when they was under Pellegrini, the same group of players couldn't match the ambition of what West Ham are trying to move to, the new stadium. The you know, they want to become the next Premier League elite. That's that's the goal for West Ham. That's what the fans expect. That's what they were sold on. Hmm. But they but the problem is, when you're trying to transition into that one of them clubs, you always run risk getting relegated. And every time you run risk getting relegated, you bring in a manager like David Moyes. So what do they do now? Is David Moyes going to now save them from relegation, stable the shit, and then is he then going to break him into the top eight? Probably not. So no. you need to work out... You, you, need, you need a plan, as you said, like Leeds United do. If, do they believe David Moyes is going to take him to that next level or are they going to do the exact same thing? Just wait for him to make a few mistakes and then bin him up. And yeah, then, I'll buy then Antonio would have aged out. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, we, we, we have watched it and we've said it so many times in this, uh, over the last few years. West Ham have circled the drain for the last few years. And I think, I do honestly think bringing Moyes back to steady the ship was the right decision. But, how far can you then go? So, like you just said, what what are West Ham need to reevaluate themselves? Like you said, they're going through an identity crisis. Is your current situation we don't want to get relegated, or is your current situation we want to push forward? Because if you want to push forward, I don't think he's he's your man. If you don't want to get relegated, he's probably your man. But it, it, West Ham are a very very strange club. Uh, Manchester City equalised through Phil Foden scoring in the fifty first minute. Which was, I do believe, it was it, it was a rebound, wasn't it? Um, it was a no, no, it was a rebound, but he quickly turns towards the right side of the post and snaps the ball before the goalkeeper can get low to it. Uh, Phil Foden was brought on as a substitute to change the game as well, so that's an instant, um, instant gratification from that substitution. Because what, yeah, that's that reminds me. Because what I was going to say was when you said about Antonio going off injured and, and can he take it? And listen, they. Pep has brought Aguero back way too soon. He clearly wasn't fit. He didn't look comfortable when he was on the ball. And they've had to take him off at halftime. And again, he's injured, which is... Now, I don't want to I don't want to be worries United and I don't want to talk about United while we're talking about someone else. But what I will say real quick, and you probably might agree with me, is we often get criticised for how much money we spent and they're out for this long. They're out, oh, you, we've spent this money, but blah, 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 blah. City under Pep have spent close to a billion, right? How come they still don't have a replacement striker to Sergio Aguero? The thing is with City is that they don't. They that's not been the core issue they've needed to sort out. They've spent big money in the wrong places. I mean, you got to think they had Aguero. Jesus was brought in to be 
that replacement to Aguero. Yet Aguero is still kicking on, scoring 20 goals a season up until his injury. We'll see how he bounces back from that. In that time, especially in recent seasons, the midfield's decayed, the defence has decayed. The midfield suffered because um, CDM Fernandinho has had to sit back in the centre-back position. City now have a problem where they've got a ton of injuries due to ageing players. They're rushing players back in, the likes of Sergio Aguero. Kevin De Bruyne come back already. He come on yeah. in about the 60th minute for Manchester City. And then the players they've brought in, we said this last week, Nathan Ake, etc. That's not the replacement you need for company. So when you're spending big bucks at the back, because that's where you need to deal with the problem, you're still going to think, oh, Jesus is all right. He's enough. But is he? Okay, so let me let me try and let me try and rephrase the question. Do you think the City team under Pep, because obviously Pep is still very much a media darling, do you think they sort of get away with less scrutiny than everyone else, despite how much they've spent and despite how poorly they're doing? Of course, they get less criticism because they've been successful in recent years. Yeah, they've you know yeah, they've no, won no, no, two no, Premier no. Leagues. I think they've won like. Three League Cups, two FA Cups. Um, yeah, you know they've been very successful. I mean, they were still, they still got the furthest out of any English side in the Champions League last year, regardless of them going out. You know, the fingers of City, they've they've lost that that edge to them. Perhaps it's yeah, oh, confidence oh, I heard- a hundred percent. There's been games this season where, if this was a game last season, like this this game with West Ham, if I saw way too many uh, City players wasting chances or not playing the final ball or taking too long to play the final ball or not shooting. If this was a City of old two or three years ago, this game finishes. Even if West Ham went one up, this game finishes five one, four one. And th- th- this City at the minute, I, you want to talk about identity crisis. This city at the minute, I, I honestly don't know where they're going, what they're doing. If you try to tell me what city style of football is at the minute, I, I don't think I'd really be able to tell you. Like they are, they are just all over the shop. Well, it's because they look like they're trying to replicate an old system with the wrong players and aged players. You're never going to have that decisive edge. But quickly going back to West Ham, considering how they started the season with the opening loss and the loss to Arsenal... They have bounced back magnificently. I mean, they, yeah, they look yeah. top side now. They look very hard to beat. They've got Liverpool next week. It'll be interesting to see how that game unfolds. Yeah, right. Before we move on, uh, Ed, Manchester City, possible title contenders this season, or is it already looking like it's not going to be there yet? I don't, I don't think you can make that kind of prediction on any team. Right now, if you look to that table, anyone could win the league. You asked me such Christmas. A... It sounds like a cop-out, but Manchester <laughs> no, City... No are as much title contenders as anyone else right now. I was just about to say that was such a loaded question. So moving on to the next game. So we, obviously we're doing it in chronological order. So the next game on Saturday afternoon was Fulham versus Crystal Palace. They can't buy a win, Fulham, can they? Down to 10 uh, men. No, and I think, again, it, we're, we're not going to take like plaudits and tell you the lottery numbers when we all of us said here on two up top that Fulham would probably go down and it's and it's still sadly looking the case um, before we even get into the goals and what happened in the game Fulham just looked bereft man like not not even just bereft of confidence just bereft of ability ideas and do you know what like Scott Scott Parker is the complete 
like he's he's Frank Lampard light, right? But he is that pure personification of like ex-player, but he's English and he's a geezer. So it's like get him in the club, like geezer, like he knows he knows the club, like mentality. He, I, I personally, again, feel sorry for the guy. Don't think he's a very good manager. I, I think they have a better team, well, a better squad at, at their disposal than what he's given them results for. That's not a sentence, but you know what I mean. And I, I, yeah, I, I honestly think he's probably going to be the first one to go and they're probably going to be the first team to get relegated. Well, as you said, yeah, it's not like we're, we're making ourselves look like experts by saying the bookies will probably have Scott Parker to be the first man to be sacked. Scott Parker benefits where a lot of managers don't in the fact he was a former player, a former captain. When you're playing in the likes of the championship and he's a young manager as well, it's like having a second captain on your team. You can bring the lads together you know, he'd be a role model to a lot of these players. But when you hit the Premier League level, you need more than that. You need a lot more yeah. than that. And if you don't have that, you certainly need a lot of money. And you're not going to get that at Fulham. In in the grand scheme of Premier League football. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, I will say though, as much as I said for a lot of the season, Fulham looked clueless, a bit lost. I will say the last two games, Fulham looked like they've really tried to grab them points this time. Like they, Even though there's no defensive solidity... They are trying to defend as one, but it doesn't matter how hard they try, they ultimately lose. And Crystal Palace get another win, so heart another goal. Uh, Crystal Palace, cut on. What do you think? Well, the the, the first goal, that the the Reed of Al goal, it's Sunday League stuff, man. It's just so like even if you don't support the team, like, obviously neither of us support either team watching this, but like you you watch that goal go in and you just think like, ugh. Guys, like who who's picking someone up? Who like he's just literally walked through and you played a little, tiny little ball through to him. It's such an easy goal. Um, Zaha Zaha probably should have had um, a few more goals in this game. Now there wasn't too much going on in this game other than the goals and the red card that we'll get on to talk about. So real quickly, Ed Wilfred Zaha is he? Only doing well because he is Big Fish, Small Pond, Palace. Or have people missed out by not taking in the option to sign him in the summer or going in for him in the summer? Obviously, he was heavily linked for Tottenham for the last like two or three windows. Is he just good at Palace because he's at Palace? Wilfred Zahara's missed out because Crystal Palace won't sell him for a suitable fee. Wilfred Zahara, a good, a good Premier League side would do bits in my personal opinion the problem is when crystal palace demanding extortionate amounts of money due to the fact he's english due to the fact he's got premier league experience oh, 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 no no ivory coast now ivory coast okay okay yeah but come on yeah he's a homegrown he's a homegrown yeah. talent he plays in the premier league yeah he's made a name for himself at both championship he's that big name at man united for the money you could buy wilfred to half or you can buy a much more established attacker across Europe for that's the problem there so when players yeah. when players when teams in that top level look at what they need to address they don't go I want Palace's Zaha a team like Everton prior to Carlo Angelotti would have done well to get in but now Angelotti's moved past that so I think he will now stay at Palace so Wilfred Zaha did score he got on the score sheet um listen I don't want to uh, 
It's going to sound silly saying he's brave, but I, honestly, I thought this Zaha finish was really brave. And I know you, you're a striker, you've just got to slide in for these chances anyway. But he slid in, uh, ball comes across the box, he slides in back post, absolutely clatters the post. Like, I'm, I'm honestly surprised he got up and carried on after that. It was that hard of a clatter into the post. But Zaha slides in, back post, 2-0, game's pretty much dead. Um, and then uh, I th I'm pretty sure... Again, I probably should have checked this. I'm pretty sure only a few minutes before uh, Kamara gets sent off. I only think he came on. I don't think he was on that long. Um, AK-47, the man himself. Um, the red card went to VAR. Now, Ed, have you seen it? No. Oh, okay, so he's kind of like... Uh, it's a red... Not the red card offence. This was another case it's of me. It was like it was like a, a, a like a bit of a rakey stamp um, down the back of his down the back of his calf onto the bottom of his foot. To, again, this is where VAR comes into play where it's good. To the blind eye, he's kind of like you think he's um, just stopped him because the guy's the guy's moving away from the ball. He's moving away and he kind of like it looks like he's tripped him. But when you actually relook at it, it it's a nasty rake down the calf. Off he goes. He's only been on for a few minutes um, and just compounds to Palace's misery that he's he's not been on the pitch for long and you're already you're already losing 2-0. You're down to 10 men. But then the next goal in the game was Tom Kearney and it's an absolute banger. Banger. It, 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 uh, at that point, Nine, what have you got to lose? Yeah, at, at that point, what have you got to lose? He smashed one from outside the box. And uh, Scott Parker, after the game, did say, he, he seemed very frustrated. He said um, that he, he was like, Palace are playing a deep block. Why no one else was shooting from outside the box or sticking crosses in? He was like, I don't understand why. Because he, he, was, he, was, he was very frank. He said, I've told my players this, I've told my players that. Why no one else was shooting long shots? Why no one else was putting crosses in? It's a deep block. You're not going to be able to get in behind them. So, yeah. Uh, it, uh, again, is that a case of the players not listening to Frank? Uh, listening to Frank? Listening to Scott? Or You've not really got to hear Frank Lampard, haven't you? I have, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, an, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's another win for Palace. I think Palace will be safe this year. Again, I, I never watch Palace and think they blow me away. And it's Palace fans are that awkward side, which always do significant damage to the big teams at times. But the, that they will look, that uh, the way they're going, they'll remain a mid-table club, especially. It's just because they sit so they sit so deep and just want to hit you on a counter-attack. It's and it works for them. Uh, no, it does. No, no, it's, it's very much suited to them with Andros Townsend, Zaha, the like the players they've got. It very much, it's very much suited to Palace. Well, that's Scott Parker uh, clarified. If someone's playing so deep, it is a simple solution. Shoot, man! Stick some crosses in the yeah. box. Someone, someone, try and do something different. Like you can't just. Pass around, pass around, and then go. Oh, there's there's ten players in the box. Back we go. It doesn't work like that. Also, Saturday afternoon, which which was promising to be one of the one of the better games of the season. We're thinking the way both teams were defending and the way um, both teams have been attacking. We genuinely thought that this was going to be an absolute barnstormer. What? Now what? I have. I had uh, both. I think I had both teams to score over three point five goals, and I'm, I'm going to put the banner up now. So obviously we've been running the banner at the bottom of the screen for goal scorers and red card. So here's what happened in the Manchester United Chelsea game. 
there you go. Whole lot of nothing. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll gloss over this one really quick. Uh, if anyone was to come out of this feeling like they should have won the game, it's probably United. Few half-decent chances. Um, uh, Mendy had a good save with his feet from Rashford. Well, I think Rashford should have done better. There was a chance at the end of the game where Rashford curled one and it was a save. Um, now, I know there are some talking points VAR penalty-wise. And I haven't got the images because I don't want to put them up because I don't want us to get DMCA'd. But obviously, everyone has been talking about Harry Maguire putting Azpilicueta in a headlock. Yeah, it's a headlock. Probably should have been... A, well, I say probably should have been a penalty. It's a penalty. I don't know how VAR has missed it. I don't know why VAR has missed it. But on the flip side of that, it's very strange this weekend that not on Match of the Day or on social media that anyone show anyone sharing or going crazy about Reese James literally hugging Maguire, locking his hands around him and holding him down and pulling him down at a corner, which is the same. It's the same thing. Both teams should have had a penalty blatantly, but only one's getting talked about. And I think that's kind of the narrative we're going for sort of thing. Ed, well, did you see it? Manchester United. Did, did you spoke, see it? We've spoke about this before. Yeah, I've seen it. We've You've seen the Reese James? Yeah, I, seen the Reece... I have. I have. It's... They're both penalties, right? They're both penalties. They're both, both penalties. penalties. They're yeah, both penalties. That's it. Like, I'm not, not going to be born and be United, like... You are, the, you are a hot talking point for the media. Yeah, no, 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 I know, I know, I know. It's, it's just as simple as that. You, you, if you're looking for clarity, the general public and the media are not going to give you that. No, no, no. I'm just I'm, uh, listen. As long as as long as you're in agreement with me, they're both they're both Stonewall. Then that's it. Like it's and that that was pretty much all that happened in the game. Um, yeah, like I said, Mendy made a few good saves. He looks pretty good as a Chelsea goalkeeper. I think uh, first Chelsea goalkeeper to have two home clean sheets back to back since Czech. I'm pretty sure that was the stat. But he, he looks he looks pretty decent. And Kepa's days are definitely numbered because they brought a 78-year-old Petacek out of retirement who's been playing ice hockey to be in their 25-man squad, which means Kepa's definitely done, as if we needed any more uh, clarification. But yeah, anything else, uh, anything else to talk about during the uh, Chelsea-United game before we move on, Ed? I think, it's, I think a more interesting talking point would be the aspirations of both clubs. I mean, you look at the way the league's unfolded to begin with, as was already touched upon. Both these teams have had a relatively poor start to the season, both in different ways. Manchester United were expected to do better with where they finished last year. I know they had a lot of issues in terms of signings, perhaps the wrong signings at the end, you know, but we won't get into that. We have multiple times. And Chelsea made also the wrong signings, but they spent an expert... Oh, God, spit my words out. They spent a lot of money. <laughs> they yeah. spent a lot of money. Um, and we established we didn't think it was the right players. And they are not getting the results that justify the amount of money they've spent. So both teams will believe we could have done better, but they'll look at the league table and think we can fix this and we can probably still receive top four football. Do you know, I, I, I wouldn't even go as far to say that Chelsea signed the wrong players. I think they were the players they needed, but I think... Again, this isn't even this isn't even a United thing. This is like for all the teams in the Premier League that get people saying like, oh, they've spent X amount, blah, 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 blah. Let's not forget that 
Chelsea spent 90 million on Havertz or close to, including fees. 50, whatever it was on Werner. Um, Ziyech, 30, 40 million. I, I, I'm still in, I'm still in the camp that if Chelsea aren't in the top two, top three come Christmas, I genuinely think Frank might be in trouble. Like you only have to look at his actual, his record for Chelsea and I, I, it's not that great. And we all know he's a placeholder. He was there to be sort of like a patsy because they couldn't sign players. So they needed to use the youth. So Frank got by by the youth and stuff. But now they're actually able to sign players. It's Chelsea. Do not think within a second they wouldn't throw him out the door to get the likes of someone like Poch or get someone in to work with those world-class players they've just signed. Yeah, but as we said, there's not much to talk about with the games. It's more interesting to talk about where the clubs want to go. But, well, well, what, but before we move on, real real quick, just a little 30-second thing. Because um, obviously there's been a lot of uh, troll... Well, not trolling, but loads of, loads of like memes on the, the interwebs of uh, Donny van der Beek sitting in the uh, stand watching the game looking a little bit forlorn and upset. Um Listen, there's there's no way in this world that Van der Beek thought he was signing for United with a midfield that still had Pogba, Fred, McTominay, Matic, uh, Mata and stuff. There's no way he thought he was starting every game. He wasn't promised no, he was starting it. There's no way. There's only one player in there. I disagree with you on this one. Name them players again, and I'll tell you the only one who... He, he thought he was playing alongside Pogba every week. You can't tell me. You, what, you think Van der Beek thought he was starting every week? Of course he did. He's all right. Like, no you've got way. Matic no at way. the end of his career. You've got Masu's at the end of his career. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I agree. Both of them players but, at the end of his career. Like, midfield Fred, Fred. is not your strongest pursuit. I was like, okay, Bruno oh, Fernandes. Oh. Bruno Fernandes has been perfect for you. Paul Pogba, I, I don't know how, why a lot of Manchester United fans still stick by him. He does not do well enough for you. Every time no, I watch Pogba, he just looks like Scott McTominay. If that's what, if, if you honestly believe that Scott McTominay Oh, it's like he did, did, you see, did you see the did you see the PSG game? PSG, PSG game in week. He, he, he pocketed, man. mate. I know, but PSG have no style of football. But have, okay, they, you see how I many they won four 0 this weekend, yeah. and they conceded so many chances. So, I, I, I agree with I agree with what you were what, what you were, what Connor saying that Van der Beek was the wrong signing only because not it was the wrong player. Like yeah. we've got plenty of central midfielders. We needed defenders and strikers, and we got. Oh, real quick, gotta eat my own well not eat my own words quick this soon, but Cavani looked half decent when he came on. He looked pretty sharp. He had a he had a couple of like predatory flicks and shots and he, he looked half decent, but that is yet to be seen. Moving on. Oh, I'm a Chelsea fan and it's just boring to watch. We haven't conceded, but we spent nearly 100 million on attacking players and we're just not creating or sideways, backwards passes. Uh, men's look good. That's about it. Um, yeah, I mean, but you have conceded in a few games. That is Frank's Fra- That is Frank's downfall. Like, isn't his record... His record's something silly. Like, he's played... He's managed, like, X amount of games and he's conceded 1.5 more goals games... 1.5 more goals per game than he's played. Like Chelsea concede a lot at the minute. Chelsea concede a lot at the minute. That's the problem. I Everyone think like Yeah, that's the thing. No, like this season is so stupid. Nobody knows what's going on. But what I would say is 
Chelsea, um, <laughs> sorry, the cat. Uh, Chelsea conceding a lot at the minute. I think maybe that's why they've gone out and spent so much on the years attacking players and got Thiago Silva in for free. I don't know whether they were genuinely like, oh, we'll just outscore people. But I don't know if that's I don't know if that's what the mo is at the minute. But it, it's it's not looking great. Right. But moving on to something that is looking great, and again, still looking good for the team on the other side. It's Liverpool. Looking great. Two one. You know, a strong word. Looking great. Well, we'll uh, say it's great. It's sketchy. Not great. It's, still, it's looking. It's look. It's looking better. I mean, what I think well, Liverpool after the psychological barrier of losing the play with Van Dijk's stature to get a win away at Ajax and to get a, a home win against a tough Sheffield United. Not necessarily saying Sheffield United are in good form, but you know they're all. No, no, no they've, been, they, they've been tough to play against, especially like Liverpool have found it tough to play against some. Like they, they have done for the last season or. Um, right, let's get straight into it. Ed, is it a penalty? Yeah, I think it's a penalty. I just think it's no one. It's not a blatant and obvious penalty. It's not like you've seen a tackle gone in and you've gone, oh my God, I can't believe he's given that. It's more because instantly I was like, that's a free kick. That's a free kick. But it was more the case of I couldn't believe it was inside the box, you know, because it, it just didn't look it. But if you slow it down... Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, it's much easier to agree with the referee once you've won the game. Yeah, exactly that. Right. I mean, the first thing I'd say is, I, I think it's on on the line, just on the line, which which obviously on the line is it's a penalty. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, I'd say it's just on the line. If I'm being kind, I think it's just on the line. Whether it's a foul or not, I don't even know if it's a foul, man. Um. At full speed, well, the, the reason that VAR has given it is because they haven't overturned. No, wait, did they overturn? They allowed you to check where the foul was committed, not whether it was. A yeah, foul. yeah, not whether it was a foul. See, that that's the thing. If VAR was used to check if it was a foul, I don't think they give it. I honestly don't. I think you can see that he wins the ball. I have much less of a problem with these kind of VAR decisions because there's warrant to give it. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, God. Don't, so, like, before VAR, we had the cliche saying of don't give the referee a decision to make. And he's he's gone in there. He's no chance of, like, winning the ball cleanly. It, it looks awful. It looks clumsy. I'm still not 100% whether it was a penalty, but Sander Berger scores the penalty. Um,. Allison has a really poor penalty save rate for Liverpool. I think he has he saved. Oh no, the other, he the other month, one against Chelsea in the second game yeah, of the season. That uh, was no, the first he, one. He, he does it in trophy. He never usually goes the right way. But no, that's the first one he's he ever saved. Mean for anything really, because unless it's in a penalty shootout, and I'll be honest with you, Allison never seems to be in the penalty shootouts we have. It's always Adrian, because <laughs> the only penalty shootouts we've had has been League Cup where Adrian starts. And in the Super Cup, where Allison was injured, Allison's injury rate is more of a concern to me than his penalty. But Liverpool still got the win, despite the hard-fought battle. Um, Fabinho still hasn't conceded a goal in open play in the four starts he's had as a centre-back. So you know, I think I think a few people were harsh on him after this game, but these were the same people who were very 
good to him after the Ajax game. So, you know, everyone's Mate, very... Honestly, we, we had this conversation midweek because obviously we watched the game together. I, I love Fabinho at centre-back, man. Like, modern football is evolving. Like, I, I can't stand three at the back and all this sort of thing, right? But you want players to play out from the back. You have literally got there a cent- a player that can play centre-back that can pass a ball, can do everything. Honestly, I think he's... I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you genuinely... If he just genuinely moves back there next to next to Van Dyke when he comes back. Like, oh, if... Oh, if, yeah. if, yeah. if I Fabinho think plays... look at other options because I think Fabinho himself prefers playing that CDM. No, no, I, I get that. But if you, if you have to play this whole... Well, not season, but if you have to play up until January with Fabinho at centre-back and he has a stormer and he plays as well as he can play at centre-back, you might you might be looking at buying a new CDM rather than buying a new centre-back. Like, it might be easier in the market sort of thing. But... Liverpool won't buy... Yeah, perhaps, but Liverpool won't buy a replacement for Van Dijk. That's not how Liverpool operate. No, 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 no. no. Do with the players he has. I mean, the only scenario where he'd get a, a new centre-back in January or even the summer would be if we had a you know, a substantial injury crisis if the yeah. likes of Fabinho was injured. That's the only reason. Klopp doesn't buy players to fill the void. He buys players he wants. So he'll just be thinking, we get through with Van Dyke. If we don't win it this season, we'll then address it. He will pro- he probably has another target in mind prior to Van Dyke's injury. But Liverpool still got the win. Fabinho got the goal. Um, I can't really say it was a redeeming goal for Fabinho because I could have scored it. But, you know, it takes... You know, it takes a good player to be in them sort of positions. Now, Diogo Jota, a player who a lot of Liverpool fans have been asking to, for him to play in front of Firmino, whereas all four of them started this game. And Jota got the second winner. Well, the second last goal, um, he scored his first goal and a third goal against Arsenal. And he got the winner today. So he's looking like a good signing for Liverpool, considering it come out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I thought it was always a good signing. It was just... It was just um, uh, a very safe signing sort of thing. Like he's almost like buying a really good number two goalkeeper. Like I think Jota knows he's not going to get in ahead of Mane, Salah, Firmino, but he's very, very good. So when he does come off the bench, you know you've you've got quality. Or like today, like yesterday, when you start all four of them, you know you're going to get something out of him. And the whole calling for him to wait, did he? Did he start? Did he start? He started the game. Yeah, we know he did. We went yeah. through a four-two-three-one. Yeah. So, so the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole situation of people calling for him to start over Firmino. I mean, um, it's not that I'm not a Liverpool fan. You know, I'm a football fan before I'm a United fan. But honestly, I, I genuinely struggle with this whole Firmino argument and with what he actually offers. And you're a Liverpool fan, you probably tell me different, but I, I genuinely, it's so frustrating to watch sometimes. And I know he does offer the team something, but I, I don't think he offers the team enough. He scored nine away goals last year and I believe six of them were winners. So, you know, he's very decisive when it matters, but even Liverpool fans, so this has been criticism of Firmino for a few years, but because we watch him week in, week out, we've pushed it aside. But now we are starting to see some questions asked of Firmino because now the team's not doing as well. I say not doing as well. It's just we're not running away with it as much. The spotlight is shown on some players and Firmino's one of them. But 
his performances are still good off the ball, so there's no there's no protest yeah. to get him off the off the ball. Yeah. No, I, I like I, I could like I said I can understand what he offers a team, and like we like we've had this argument before. We've had this argument before with Gav about um, what constitutes a key pass, what constitutes an assist, because uh, you could probably look through the stats, and I bet you Firmino's got the pass before an assist, or do you know what yeah. I mean? He he's heavily heavily involved in the build up, but Liverpool won. Um, they they keep they keep marching on. Sheffield United. You probably feel not feel sorry for him, but I thought they had a very very good dispen- uh, defensive display. I thought they even had better opportunities than Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, they, they could they they could have scored. Um, but when Liverpool are coming at your full force, what like what can you do? Even even the best back four in the world, if you have that if you have that Liverpool front front three or four running at you for 60 minutes let me tell you for the last 30 minutes you're going to be absolutely knackered there's going to be spaces there's going to be there's going to be gaps and and that's pretty much what happened in in this game you could tell i mean look at the times of the goals there's one just before half time because the sheffield united have put such such a shift in that it was ready for a break sort of thing and mid six look just after 60 minutes again they've played an hour of just trying to soak up this crazy crazy liverpool press and you just you just can't do it for that long. We're only six games into the season, but I am getting increasingly more worried about Sheffield United because I do watch them and think you're playing good football, but you're still losing week in week out. They have the same amount of points yep. as Fulham, and that that's what we to worry. Yeah, that's what we said in the preview show when we did the season preview, and we said Norwich did the same thing. It, it, it's all well and good playing really nice, attractive football, but what's the point of playing? playing nice, attractive football? No, 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 attacking football. They're playing efficient football. They're very clinical with what they do. They're they're compact. The few chance opportunities they get a game, they usually take. They took a lot of them last season. But this season, they're they're taking none of them. Do you you know what? And and I could be predict like, I could be predicting the future here or I could be talking out my ass. I genuinely think if Sheffield United continue to have the season they're having and England do absolutely bubkiss at the Euros, I could see maybe Chrissy Wilder moving on from Sheffield United to maybe take an England job. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I'm still Yes, sure. we will. There was... Right, so we're moving on to the first of today's... Get, talking about shock, we're talking to... We're moving to the first of today's games. Now... I know this season's been a little bit crazy and there's been some results here and there. This one I did not see coming. It was Southampton. I'm surprised two. by that. You're shocked by this result. Shocked. I honestly, honestly was. Honestly was. Did Did you see Southampton getting something out of this? I did. I mean, I'm surprised Danny Ings didn't score, but Southampton still two assists. They still got the three all against Chelsea. I think the uh, Southampton, uh, I believe, sixth. They've got ten points. One they look good against Southampton. Look good against Tottenham as well. They're always a threat when you've got a player like Danny Ings in your side. But the play, the team also has other threats. Che Adams is a is a good for us player. Southampton did well last season. People forget that. I mean, because the spotlight was just on how many goals Danny Ings scored. But Southampton, since that nine 0 loss to Leicester, did increasingly well as the season went on. And there's absolutely, I, I consider Southampton a just under the level Everton are at. So I wasn't surprised Southampton necessarily got anything out of it. 
Uh, uh, should not have got a result last week, but they consistently looked a threat. I know it's like so cliche, but like the character that Southampton have shown. I know, I know it was probably it's literally like a year ago now that they lost nine nil, but the character to bounce back. Southampton stuck by Hootle, which listen, there was there, there's other clubs that would have got rid of him for a nine nil loss and knee jerked it. Yeah, that night. Yeah, yeah, and they've, they've done the right thing. They've got a good squad base there. They, I think, they're doing the right thing. They're playing very decent football as well. So the first goal, the Ward Prowse goal. Now, both of these goals, I'm kind of looking at the goalkeeper, and that's not me just Pickford hating. Um, Is it a little bit? No, man. Like anyone in goal for these two goals, and I'm kind of like the Ward Prowse one's a bit of a thump. Um, yeah. But the the uh, the Che Adams goal, it's like low bottom corner. Pickford gets a hand to it, but it's like Chris Packett wrists like barely pushes it away. It goes in, and honestly, again, Pickford's a number two keeper for a top side. Yeah, he is. It feels like we're singling him out every week, right? But the other week, even when they were winning their games and they were top of the league. And we said they need a decent keeper. If they'd have got a decent keeper in the transfer window, they wouldn't have lost. I'm telling you now, they wouldn't have lost, lost this game 2 0. No way. They may have lost it 1 0 or may have or, or drawn it, but they wouldn't have lost this game 2 0 if they had a good goalkeeper. I think that's something that addresses their um, you know, aspirations get bigger. If they get in the top four this year, Everton fans will then look for greater success, especially with a manager like Angelotta, especially with players like Rodriguez, Calvert Lewin. But then they probably will start questioning Pickford's role. But I think like where Everton are at at the moment, trying to break into the top four, Pickford's okay, but you won't win silverware with him. Do you know what I mean? He does have good moments. You, yeah, you won't yeah. get clean sheets, but you will win games. So they'll cross that bridge when they come to it. Everton had a good chances in this game still. I think of Sigurdsson's shot from outside the box that hit the bar. Um you know, you win some, you lose some. I think you, they come against a team which is very similar to them. Um, the only problem is people expected more from Everton with the start they had, which probably yeah, that, yeah. That, that's exactly it. Everyone because of the, uh, at the start of the season, if you if you if I'd have shown you this fixture and said who's going to win this, we wouldn't have been able to pick. But because of the start Everton's had, we're just assuming they were going to come into this win win it four 0 again. Um, Oh, I don't know if you got. I don't know if you got destroyed. Uh, so the blue, the blue boys network. Shout out to the blue boys network, Everton podcast. Um, I don't think keeper would have stopped us uh, getting destroyed today. We were awful in the summer. Pickford goes. Yeah, again, he wouldn't have stopped you getting picked apart, or wouldn't have stopped the way the game went. But there's saves that he should be making as as a Premier League goalkeeper. And again, we've said it time after time. Results would be so different if. If Pickford wasn't between the sticks, Pickford's a Premier League goalkeeper, though. I just don't think he's a title-winning goalkeeper. Like Crystal Palace, like Crystal Palace or something. Like just, you know, just when not. If Everton got to a Champions League spot, I wouldn't want him still in the team the following year. But I'd be, I'd take him as a number two. I mean, he's got vast amounts of experience. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah but I'd take him. I'd take him as a number two. But like, I, I wouldn't have him as a starting goalkeeper. Our, um, Everton, right. a much improved side. Luke, the Luca Dean red card. Have you seen it? No. Uh, it's uh, it's a little bit naughty. 
Oh, I'm not sure if it's a red, but I mean, Everton are very like under the microscope for naughty challenges and stuff at the minute. So um, I can see why it's just like a, it's just like a really, it's, it's from behind, it's late, it's laboured, it's kind of down the back of the calf. I can see what it's given sort of thing. We have to Look remember the injuries they have. They've got um, Coleman out. Who's, um, he does offer a lot of attacking threat as much as the defensive. Yeah. They've also lost Richarlison due to that um, rubbish tackle, um, which ended up taking Thiago out. Uh, Blue, Blue Boys Network uh, is never a red. His studs get stuck in his boots, and it's a complete accent. See, yeah, do you know what? Do you know what? I've honestly, I've honestly seen like two different angles of it, and one of them. That's this is what I've asked you, Ed, because um, one of them, like, it very much does look like a, an accident, and then the other one, it kind of looks like eh. But unfortunately, I don't agree with it. But Everton have got this narrative at the minute they're a dirty side because of the Van Dyke thing. Not even worth getting into. Uh, Digne got sent off. What people make of it, they make of it. But Everton lost 2-0. And uh, that's their first loss of the season. they for their next game. Their next they game are, might yeah. be Newcastle. But that also means uh, that's the last team in the league this season that were unbeaten. So everyone's everyone's been beaten now. Uh, oh. Uh, do you know what? We're going we're gonna to do this really quick. Edge, you ready? We're gonna do. We're gonna do. We're gonna do a five second, five, a five second spot of this. What's our Everton? Not very good this week. Now moving on <laughs> to today's game. <laughs> moving on to today's game. Uh, it was the first game of the day was Wolves versus Newcastle. Um. Literally nothing happened in this game until the last 10 minutes. So, Raul Jimenez gets the first goal. A great, great strike outside the box. He's a banger. Yeah, I've seen it. Absolute banger. Raul Jimenez still looks the top striker he has been the last two years for Wolves. The problem is, Mm -hmm. Raul Jimenez isn't getting the service he has been the last two years. Now, when Liverpool signed Jota, I thought that's a great sign for us. But I didn't really, truly think about the negative impact that I'd have on Wolves. And I'll tell you what... Wolves look a different side up front this year. Um, I know they have Neto in there. I quite like Neto. Traore's not starting as many games. I mean, you got to look. They only won 1-0 last week, Wolves. You know, the, the opportunities aren't coming thick and fast. I mean, they're lucky enough they've got a player like Jimenez who can take that chance. Do you think Traor- decline? Traore is very one-dimensional, man. Like, and I, and I don't just mean like everyone, everyone says that he just runs and he can't cross. He has every now and then he has a decent delivery and he doesn't have a half decent he doesn't have a half like bad shot, but it is very one dimensional. Like you know he's gonna try and burn down that line, he's gonna try and cut inside XYZ. If if you if you can double up on Traore or you can like you can mark him out the game or just sit a little deeper knowing he's gonna try and get behind you with his pace, it's very easily solved and like I said, he his crosses and his passing isn't terrible, but it's not of the quality that if someone closes him down, he can just stick a ball into the box and know that someone's going to be on the end of it, like Jimenez, which is what you got from Jota. Like Jota had decent decent deliveries, and I, I, like you said, I just don't think the Wolves' attack without him is isn't uh, it's not as cohesive. Jimenez, 
I'm I'm still very 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 surprised that he stayed at Wolves this summer. And I know it's only been like a like he's only had like one hot year at Wolves, but I'm very surprised that no one came in for him. He's had two hot years for Wolves. This is his third. I expect him to get more than ten. He'll hit double digits again. Oh no! I know he's been. I know. I know he's been. I'm saying like last year. I think last season was his first like hot, hot, hot season where like he was like one of like Europe's elite sort of thing. Um, Yeah. But then Newcastle got an equaliser right at the end, right at the death. Oh, it's such a bad goal! It's such a bad goal! Such a bad Um, goal! You're telling me it's a beautiful dummy, nice little right-footed free kick. Oh, oh, yeah, but like. That is Portugal's number one. That's Rue Patricio. Chocolate chocolate teapot wrist, man. It literally... He can stop that. He can stop that. Could have done better there. I think the wall was poorly organised. Which then again, you probably can blame the goalkeeper for. It's his job to organise that defence. Well, not even just that. Like, okay, he hasn't organised the defence. But, like, the free kick's not hit with a lot of power, man. Uh, Like, I, I saw that and I thought, like, proper oofed. Like, I'm like I am looking at you, Ru Patricio. But Wolves, like, where where do you see Wolves ending up this season? And what do you what what do you think? Top ten, yeah. Top ten, top ten. Like, if 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 they still had Jota, I'd probably say more of the same. Probably finish top eight if they have a good run of form. They might break into Europa League. Uh, I think last year was their big year to have potentially broke into the top six. It didn't work out that way. So now I think unless they sign the appropriate players, they will start to slowly decline because players like Jimenez probably have a spotlight on them from bigger teams. Uh, right, I, I'm going to say this with like the utmost respect. It might not sound like I'm saying it with respect, but I'm saying it with the utmost respect. It's absolutely mental that we are now looking at teams like Wolverhampton Wanderers and saying top ten. Like, look at look at the squad they've got. Look at their manager; they should be top ten. That that is mind blowing. The Wolves so much more competitive. It's crazy at the minute. I know, I know, I know. And I'm glad it's. I'm, I'm so glad it's that competitive at the minute. But honestly, Wolves, when when we're talking about them saying like, oh, well, they should they should be looking at top ten. It's just it's just so foreign. It's just so foreign. But what about what about quick one before we move on? Newcastle. Where do you see Newcastle? Where do I see Newcastle? Eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. I tell you what, you pe- you said this in the preview show. A few of us said it towards the back end of last year. Steve Bruce doesn't get the credit he deserves due to the fact he's Steve Bruce, not Rafa Benitez. But you know he hasn't playing together. But they they don't offer any real threat. They just offer. Hard work, I believe. I mean, they've got Axel, who I really like. But... St. Maximin is just like... St. Maximin will not... I will be surprised if St. Maximin is still in Newcastle in February, let alone let alone the summer. Like Newcastle are in no position to sell their players. No position to sell their players. You know for a fact that if they want to sell that club, they've got to remain a Premier League club. Well... And there's no way you're selling that club in January. True. Right. And there was one last game this evening that uh, I actually didn't see. I was watching a lot of it, but I didn't actually see the winning goal. But Jamie Vardy... (laughs) Yeah. No party. Um, 
Jamie Vardy scored for Leicester in the 90th minute by the looks of things. Um, I haven't seen the goal. I'm going to try and get it up on my phone right now while we're talking. This game was concluding when we were setting up the stream, but going into uh, this game, Jamie Vardy definitely come on as a substitute. Oh, no, it was 80th. Eight, uh, Jamie Vardy was 80th minute, sorry. 80th minute, uh, yeah. 80th minute. Football to play after, so... Yeah, let me. Uh, uh, let's uh, say you'll be extremely happy with that performance. Uh, well, not necessarily that performance, actually, the result, because according to statistics, which are not everything, that was actually Leicester's first shot on target, and the fact it came from Jamie Vardy, Mister Leicester himself, says it all. Listen, Ed, if you don't shoot, you don't score, man. No, of course, of course. But by the looks of it, Arsenal had the most possession; they had more shots. And just obviously wasn't able to capitalise on these opportunities. But Leicester have now beat City and Arsenal away from home. So, you know, Leicester with a combined goal difference of like like what 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 they've scored they've scored six and conceded two. Well there you go. There you go. Um Right, hold on. Right, so I'm, I'm I'm watching this. I'm watching this goal, and I'll explain to you as I see it. So Leicester had a free kick in their own half. They're taking it really quickly. Tillemans plays the ball to the halfway line. Uh, gets deflected back to Leicester's half. It comes back into the. They're in. They're in the semicircle. Oh my god, that's awful! Right, so it's literally. Uh, who's that that plays the pass? Uh, ball comes back. Bear with me two seconds. I think it's Ndidi. Uh, Ndidi to no, it's Tielemans. Tielemans plays a very simple ball over the top. Uh, to I think it might be in the actual. I'm probably wrong, but it's a very simple ball over the top, and they're in they're in behind the defence, and it's a squ- uh, it might be Mendy actually, and it's a square ball straight across the box for a tap in for Vardy, absolutely poor defender from Arsenal. Um, Ed Arsenal, are they real? Are they progressing under Arteta? Well, you know what I mean. Like, are they? I know what you mean. Are they the re- are they the real deal? Are they, are they progressing under Arteta? We said this last week. Only last weekend, me and you were both saying, enjoy enjoy the journey. Enjoy the progression. Yeah. You've just got to go with it. I think I think naturally, in all fan bases, you're going to have fans who get very excited, especially in the old Twitterverse. But, you know, Arsenal look like they're going in the right direction. You know, losing to teams like Leicester, who are further on in their evolution, losing to teams like Liverpool, who are much further on their evolution, isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean... They'll be disappointed with the results they're getting because they've now lost two on the trot. But you've played Manchester City and you've played Leicester. You keep going. Your job yeah, is to get yeah. back in the top four and you're definitely amongst that. You've got good players. Just bear with it. You know, if, if, if you're way off the mark back end of Christmas or after Christmas, then we can start having the topic of are they the real deal. But yeah, you're right. Like, like, I, like I said, I said it the other week, I did the show with you and I said... Just, just be positive. Just go with the flow. Uh, I still, I still think it's the case. Like you, like you just said, you've lost the two very good teams. Like, just chill, man. Like, okay, uh, they won in Europe during the week. wasn't very convincing, but it also wasn't the foot. Like, it wasn't like the starting eleven that you'd put out there if it was a serious game. Serious game. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think Arsenal still look. They still look alright. Um, I, I will you're go back on my... You're in the Europa League, you know what I mean? You're, hit, you're, you're playing a team which are probably better than you. I mean, they finished higher than yeah. you last season. They oh, should have yeah. probably got Champions League football. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, that's all subject to debate whether they're better or not, but 
I wouldn't be beating myself up if Liverpool had lost to Leicester City. They're a good side. No, 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 exactly. Uh, well, this, season, next week. this season, honestly, Managed anyone... Honestly, like, obviously I work in a boozer and it's literally like nobody is taking the piss out of anyone at the minute. Like, even if you're a team that's beat a team, like, nobody dares take the piss because, listen, next week you yeah. might be getting beat 7-2 yeah. by Villa or you might be getting beat 8-0 by... City, like you, like there is just no, the, 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 there's no like barometer at the minute. Like everyone is so scared to get absolutely tumped that do you know what? Obviously, United fan, nil nil against Chelsea. I'd have taken that. If you'd have offered me that at the start of the game, I'd have taken the easy way out, and I'd have taken that. Like there's no like seeing people getting absolutely slapped up left, right, and centre. I'd have taken a nil nil, hundred percent. Yeah, but you know, uh, Leicester. Going back to Leicester, Leicester will be extremely happy with that. Looking at the table, that brings Leicester up to fourth position. Uh, won four, lost two, haven't drew a game yet. Uh, so they're only one point off top spot held by Everton currently. So it's looking to be an exciting season. The table Everybody's is very top. congested because I, I was looking at it because I was very upset that Manchester United are in 15th. But we do have a game in hand. And if we win our game in hand, we can literally go up to like... Three points off top. We can go for like fifth, yeah. It's just yeah. it's like it's just so crazy at the minute. I mean, the difference from first to eighth is three points. So, and that's where Wolves hold. And and Villa have still Villa have still got game in hand. You know, if Villa win their game in hand, they go back top. Well, they never was top. They were runners up. Everton were top going into it, but Everton were the form team because they'd won four of their games. So listen, listen to us talking about Everton and Villa and Leeds and Leicester being top of the league. This is no, but to be fair, we're only six games in. This is what a no one knows. I know. I know. Don't worry about the table until Christmas. Is no, the exactly. is the thing right? We have stolen enough of your time talking about this weekend's football. Uh, what have we got tomorrow? What is tomorrow's game? Tomorrow's game is Tottenham, I do believe. Yeah. I do believe. Who are Tottenham playing tomorrow, Ed? Tottenham. Tottenham, Tottenham are playing Burnley away. And there Ooh. is also Brighton hosting West Bromwich Albion at half five on a Monday. So if you're at work, oh yeah, it by the looks of it. But the highlight game tomorrow is Burnley-Tottenham. I expect Tottenham to win that. Burnley don't look the defensive unit they used to be. But then again, can Tottenham also defend? I mean, there'll exactly. be a response after that West Ham draw. Um, so obviously, today's uh, game, Arsenal versus Leicester, was on the Sky Sports box office. Now, in the last few twenty, well, the last twenty-four hours, both Sky and BT have uh, basically came out to the Premier League and said they want to distance themselves from this deal because both of their um, public images have been just tanking because yeah, people, so. yeah, no, rightly so. People pay uh, right. So here's like just a real quick story: thirty seconds. So my gaffer at work, literally only just this season decided to get Sky Sports and BT Sports in his home this this year, right? He was like, right, I'm going to do it. It's worth it. I watch football, blah, blah, blah. So he spent, he, he's 40, 50 quid a month, whatever it is, because he's got BT and Sky. He goes home to watch the Liverpool game last night. And what is it? 15 quid. 
And now he's only just signed this deal to spend 50 quid a month to watch your football. £15. You must be joking. So Liverpool, uh, Liverpool. So BT and Sky have tried to distance themselves from it. They've told the Premier League they don't want to be a part of it. So it's on the Premier League to decipher what they want to do with that. But I think that tomorrow, if there is a debate show on the channel, I think tomorrow might be about the pay-per-view system and watching football on TV in general. I think it might be. I look forward to it. Me too. So anyway, so there we are. We've we've covered we've covered the weekend's football. Uh so yeah, so don't forget to follow us on all social medias. It is two up top on every single media. There you are. We're two up top football on YouTube. We're two up top football on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify. On Instagram, and yep. hopefully we'll hit seven hundred on the YouTube. So if you could follow Spotify and Apple, yep, you, you'll be able to hear it all on Spotify, Apple. Uh, also. Uh, if you follow the YouTube channel, if you do follow the YouTube channel, give us some likes, uh, click the little notification bell. It just it just helps us get further on in the channel. Uh, you can come and watch me lose my absolute mind playing FIFA because it's literally just the worst thing ever. And if you ever want to see a grown man cry, that's your time. That's prime. That is, is prime time. So anyway, I have been Stephen Cotton for two up top. And I've been Ed Hill. Yeah, you just you sing you sing. I was like, I'm Stephen Cotton. You were like, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've been Stephen Cotton. That's been Ed Hall. We have been two up top football. Thank you very much, guys, and we'll see you next time.